Welcome to the Beer Travelers Podcast from All About Beer. I'm your host, Andy Crouch, and we'll get to our conversation about San Diego's intriguing beer scene in a minute, but first, a few quick messages. All About Beer is back, and we're asking for your support to help provide the independent beer media this rich and colorful industry deserves. Visit our website, allaboutbeer.com, where we're frequently posting new content. And please consider throwing us a few bucks at patreon.com slash allaboutbeer. We have low-cost memberships for individuals and small and large companies alike. Every dollar goes to help produce new articles and podcasts. Welcome to the latest episode of Beer Travelers, the podcast that takes you around the world and gets advice from local experts on where to drink. I'm your host, Andy Crouch. When you talk about America's greatest beer cities, several names immediately enter the conversation. We always talk about Portland, Oregon, Asheville, North Carolina, Denver, Colorado, and maybe even Chicago. But one name that always makes the list is our home for this episode, San Diego, California. Long an ambassador of great beer, with breweries setting the style for the rest of the country and even the world, San Diego has a storied brewing history that I'm excited to explore today. I also can't wait to talk with our two local experts, as it's been about a decade since I last graced the sunny shores of Southern California. Joining me today to help us capture the essence of San Diego's beer scene are Jenny Mann and Brandon Hernandez. Beer writer and marketer Brandon Hernandez has been deeply plugged into Southern California beer for more than a decade. He's helped direct marketing at some of the best-known breweries in the area, including Stone, Alesmith, and Society. And in 2019, the longtime writer decided to focus his efforts on creating a new interactive resource for fans of the area's beer scene with the founding of San Diego Beer News. The site is a bit of a throwback to the earlier days of beer blogs and local Bruce papers. And instead of doing you know, the deep dives into broad, weighty topics of national import, he focuses on providing detailed and tangible and useful information about San Diego's breweries and beer bars. SD Beer News offers brewery maps, tap lists, interviews with local brewers and beer players, and lots of local beer news. It's a site that even though I haven't been there in a decade, I find myself coming back to just to you know, keep up on the local knowledge there. A native San Diegan, Brandon is one of the most informed sources you're going to find about that beer scene. When you research San Diego beer, Jenny Mann's name is one of those names that just keeps coming up. For more than a decade, she has worked for and with some of the top breweries and craft beer bars in the city. She has bartended, led brewery tours, taught draft beer maintenance programs, and helped breweries navigate the confusing world of social media. She is also a professional photographer who has captured many of the city's breweries through her lens. Jenny is a brewery coach and a well-regarded speaker who often presents to local brewery guilds around the country. She and her partner have recently departed for the Pacific Northwest, but she still considers San Diego home, and she has a wealth of knowledge to share. I want to welcome both of you to this episode of Beer Travelers. So let's start today. You know, For me, it really seems like uh, you could write a book about the brewing history of the United States, almost entirely told through the lens of the San Diego beer scene. It's that deep. Um, and I'm not even sure which one of you to start with, but I guess I'll start with Brandon. You, for those who aren't familiar somehow with you know the craft beer scene in San Diego, what would you, you know, how do you describe the history of of craft beer in the city? I always call it familial. I mean, anything that refers to San Diego beer uh, familial because there are just so many people who came together to make what has happened happen over years and years and years, bringing more people into the fold. But it's a, it's a tight knit community even today with. Uh, well over 150 breweries, over 200 brewery-owned venues. Um, but it all traces back to this small cadre of really ahead of their time craftspeople who wanted to brew things that they couldn't find available, be it because they had traveled someplace, another country, and saw traditional beer the way it's supposed to be versus you know American adjunct lagers and things like that or whether it's they even just read it in a book or they had a buddy who homebrewed in college with them um, there's all these people for whatever reason came and found each other through this uh, well partly through a lack of resources in that there was only so many places to go get homebrew supplies and they all met through homebrew clubs and things like that and then they decided that they were going to go into uh into uh, the professional side of things when there really wasn't much of a, uh, a professional side to start with. Um, but they all leaned on each other and therefore built this community that has continued to grow and just welcome people for decades at this point. So I always say familial and then fascinating because even though there are all those breweries that I told you about, I think that you see 
the most diversity from one brewery to the next of any place I've probably ever been. And I, and I do get around the United States, and, uh, even to Europe sometimes to uh, check out the brew scenes and other communities and other uh, cities. And I just got to tell you, there's just a little bit of everything here. And uh, yeah, definitely that rising tide has, has floated a lot of diverse ships. And Jenny, well, who would you, who, well would you point, who would you point to as sort of the the OG players in the in the craft beer scene in San Diego? Who are some yeah. of the founders and the pioneers? I definitely got to go. I got to roll with uh, Carl Strauss, uh, Ballast Point Home Brew Mart. That was a big one. It was a big one uh, for a lot of the key players that we all look up to, um, in the sense of they've not only have. Uh, shown how to create a business from craft beer, not just your backyard homebrew. It went from homebrew to the next level. And we all got a chance to kind of witness that, which is really special. Um, So I'm going to go with seriously, uh, Carl Strauss and Ballast Point Homebrew Mart. Yeah. And as we start to to get into, you know, Brandon, tell me a little bit more about about Carl Strauss. Now, that is, of course, one of those names that I recall when I was there. But I feel like, it, you know, the, the beer at that time, a decade or more ago, maybe even 15 years, one of my first times there, seemed like it, it had already been in market for a while. And maybe it wasn't the new thing. And people were kind of like not paying as much attention to it as maybe it deserved. And that happens, you know, whether you're in Portland, Maine with, you know, some of the older breweries there or anywhere else in this country, some of those original players don't always get the love that they do. So what's the background on, on Carl Strauss and sort of where does it stand today? Well, Carl Strauss started in 1989. It was uh, two guys who uh, went to college together and were roommates. And, you know, there's this saying that you know, feel the dreams, if you build it, they will come. Uh, nobody told them anybody would come. And they they really just wanted to recreate a, a brew pub model they had seen, uh, uh, I believe, in uh, New Zealand. One of the guys went out there, saw what a brew pub was, and just couldn't believe that they were making all the beer right there. And it was just such a great place to be. And it was interesting beer. So he luckily had somebody in the family, a ringer, who uh, had been... Uh, head of production for past. He probably knows a little bit about beery figures. So he lures him out of retirement to come and help build Carl Strauss. Um, and to their delight, they open up and they've got a line around the door and people really take to it, but they're like, oh man, this is like, this brewed here? This is so cool. I really like it. And it, it, it picked up a little bit of steam, but it, it wasn't really until beer got hoppy, in my opinion, that San Diegans kind of took it as something special and different. You know what I mean? The beer had been good up until that point. We had people like, uh, you know, Pizza Pork, um, Ballast Point, Alesmith uh, doing things. But it was, I always have to go back to Stone. Stone did a lot of things and, and really got the uh, the lens of American craft beer, be it <laughs> writers, if they're the very few that were there, and people who were really concerned about beer looking our way because we had these brash just over the top, and I'll just say it, out of balance, hoppy beers. And it became that, I mean, it eventually became the San Diego style and the West Coast style. Um, and and also, I mean, they did things like open up a distribu- distribution company that let other people and players in and yeah, get a seat at the table, people like Coronado and uh, a lot of other folks too. But um, yeah, so you have like the Carl Strauss side where they took very traditional beers and then you get the Stone side and over time they've all come together. And now Carl Strauss makes great West Coast and uh, you see things from Stone you never thought you'd see like loggers. And so all the way in between, everyone's just found a way to uh, carve their own little niche in the San Diego community. But it all started with something very traditional. But as soon as you get the hops into the equation and people are like, oh man, West Coast beer, man, more hops, more hops. It was like, hey, we got something going on here in San Diego and people started taking notice of their local companies as well as the people who are making the beer. You could really, as I said at the beginning, you could tell kind of the story of beer in the United States through you know the lens of San Diego, but you could almost do it through any one of these breweries that you named. Each of them has a fascinating story and just how they fought in the marketplace to, you know, in early days, let alone, you know, changing over time to the point that we're at today. I mean, there have been so many 
acquisitions and and sales and and just changes in ownership you know that scene is is really undergone you know it's a microcosm of the greater scene in this country um and we'll definitely talk about some of these some of these individuals but before we get into that jenny how would you characterize you know the san diego beer scene for someone who you know maybe has heard a little bit about it and understands maybe the concept of west coast you know styles but hasn't been there Mm, um, I'm going to go with, there's like a spirit of collaboration. Um, that's, that's something that you will, you will find at most, uh, neighborhood breweries. So depending on what little pocket you're in, uh, someone's trying to help each other out. And I feel like that that's what San Diego, especially in the beer scene is really known for, uh, other than making world-class yeah. IPAs and, you know, going over, going over the top. Um, but I think, uh, just the collaboration factor, um, whether it's, with the hospitality and tourism and bringing in people like again stone is a great example of that uh they created a, an amazing beer garden that was a massive attraction so not only do is there attractions to come to uh there's neighborhoods that you get to enjoy and uh, i feel like it's really brought this sense of uh, camaraderie as well so it's a very special thing it's not necessarily there's competition uh i mean there's always a little competitiveness but uh, i feel like that the scene is much more collaborative and people are surprised when they say oh i went over to this brewery and and people go oh no that's so great we love them like it's so awesome to hear that's that's really interesting because usually when I ask that question, you you get kind of a broader analysis of you know or response about you know the city's beer scene and just in specific, more specifically about products and you know the sort of things and the styles they focus on. And I feel like if you asked anybody who is not from San Diego but has spent a little bit of time there, such as myself, that that part of collaboration and that, that just sort of community spirit would have been something I experienced, but it wouldn't have been my, my general takeaway. It would have been more about that style, but that's why it's interesting to have folks who are, who are local to talk about this. Brandon, can you talk a little bit more about that kind of community spirit and, and how you, you know, what your view of the San Diego scene is as someone who you know covers it every day? Uh, I would say that the community spirit is what has made it something I want to cover exclusively. Uh, I, I, have written about food and travel and all sorts of things in my career. Um, but about five years in, I made the conscious decision to say, Hey, look, you know what I'm really passionate about is craft beer. But then even more than that, I'm passionate about my hometown's craft beer. And it's all because of the people behind these yeah. companies. And the fact that there is this camaraderie that has allowed it to be what it is. If there was all of the competition that you see in other industries, then we wouldn't have this here. And you, and I believe that it's really something that you see throughout the industry. Like I was saying, I travel a lot and I see a lot of people and, and this spirit just is a common thread in craft beer, but it's just really, it's really rampant here. And it's, it's, I mean, it's almost like you get sugar shock from how nice everybody, everybody is to one another. And you go to one brewery, they'll tell you which brewery you're going to go to next. And there's always a collaboration beer. There's something going on. San Diego Brewers Guild does a really good job with that as well. Um, but I think that if I was to say to somebody who was coming here and they said, Hey, I've heard you guys have beer in San Diego, you know, something very vague like that. And they said, what, is, what does that really mean? I'd say that there's just a little bit of something for everybody. It's permeated every community within the County. And we are one of the most expansive counties in the entire United States. So that's really saying something. Um, and it's just not just IPAs although they're great. Um, there's a, you can find a little bit of something for everyone here from uh, even to spontaneous beers. I mean, spontaneous beers down to a Mexican style lager and everything in between, you're going to find it. And um, yeah, it's a, and it's a lot of fun because I don't know if you've heard, but the weather here is great. I've heard something about that. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it might be an okay place to visit, maybe in a vacation spot for those who are interested. Yeah, I mean, you barely have to plan. So, like, get a ticket, hop on over here, and then, of course, consult SanDiegoBeer.News and find your breweries you want to go to. <laughs> <laughs> We're all about the plugs here. There have been a, a ton of really important and influential individuals in that scene and, and folks whose, you know, um, whose you know, personalities sometimes are even outsized and have become sort of nationally prominent. And I think... You know, there's a lot of different names you could point to here, but you know, you're looking at folks like Greg Cook or Tommy Arthur or Jeff Bagby and plenty and plenty of others. 
Um, Jenny, who would you, you know, who would you point to as some of the the more important individuals in in sort of establishing and directing and influencing, you know, besides Carl Strauss, uh, the San Diego beer scene? Um, actually, I'm going to say somebody who's kind of left the beer scene in a way, uh, Yusuf Cherney. Uh, it was kind of an uh, amazing story just with Ballast Point in general and not only building this brand and, uh, you know, becoming creative and uh, especially with creating um, uh, their their brew house in general, um, building up this amazing brand to sell it and then going on to the spirit side of things. Uh, really, it just shows that innovativeness that is part of what San Diego beer is, that that it never stops growing. You can keep going and going. And he has just, you know. He's been an inspiration for a lot of people in craft beer in general. And Brandon, who would you point to in terms of uh, individuals who have influenced the local San Diego beer scene? I would say uh, Vincent Gina Marsaglia uh, for Pizzaport. Mm -hmm. They did a really good job early on of getting in the game, making quality beer and creating um, a chain of brew pubs that spans the coast, which is where the most of the people go. Um, tourists and locals alike at some point will find themselves at any of our fine beaches and to have uh now uh, four coastal brew pubs five if you count the one that's uh, above us north of us in san clemente in orange county um that's a lot of exposure for a lot of people affordable beer that's really high quality they have held festivals before a lot of people were doing anything like that and most importantly they have become kind of the uh training center for great brewers that have gone on to do a lot not just in san Diego county but elsewhere and start their own businesses um i'm always writing yes former pizza port brewer such and such has Mm -hmm. now opened this place and done such and such with their lives um and just they they just uh teach a lot of people a lot of great things be it business sense or um or brewing or both and uh yeah, it's, it's a pretty awesome little empire they've built there. Pretty good brother-sister team. I mean, I, I know a lot of siblings who don't get along at all. <laughs> so they've managed to do that and then some. And uh, I don't know, it seems like they get along just fine. Yeah. Jenny, you have Love it. you have bartended around San Diego. You've been involved in just about every different aspect of the business. Um, we'll have you answer a question about which local beer bars have 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 over you know time established themselves as as kind of the the centers of of the craft beer scene and help promote it there um well first and foremost i have to say we had a couple that you know exited recently in the past few years which we're all bummed about you know tornado Mm -hmm. uh tiger tiger um uh however uh, i'm gonna go with o'brien's o'brien's is a huge staple pure (laughs) the land of just beautiful pure hobby beers um Again, owners uh, is Tom Nickel, and there's Tyson and Christina Blake involved, and they are nothing but amazing people with excellent taste in beer. Um, Tom Nickel, of course, does have his brewery up in Julian, Nickel mm-hmm. Beer Company, and uh, they have a beautiful array of beer. They really, truly do. They go everything from hoppy. They they keep they keep on on draft and sometimes they'll have these beautiful bottles of Belgian beers coming through. Uh, they do beer dinners. Uh, they've really done a great job at becoming and owning this, this concept. They're one of the original craft beer bars. So it's pretty exciting. Um, otherwise, I mean, I've, I also have to say like Blind Lady Alehouse has a beautiful selection of beer on draft as well. It's very thoughtful, very curated. And uh, they do great things for their community as well. So um, I feel like we haven't had a lot of like our craft beer bars aren't where they should be right mm-hmm. now uh, because of, we do have a lot of breweries. We'd have a lot of yeah. tasting rooms. So, yeah. um, but that concept is, uh, I mean, I wouldn't mind another, you know, craft beer bar mm-hmm. in San Diego. <laughs> One of the uh, breweries that we had touched on earlier, but haven't gotten too deep into is Ballast Point. And uh, Brandon, this is a brewery with a, you know, a storied history as Jenny was sort of laying out, you know, from its early homebrew shop days to becoming a mega brewery that whose beer we found all over Boston here, you know, you know, several thousand miles away, you know, that West Coast style IPA, whether it was fruited or not, it it, it led a lot of trends and, and brought a lot of people into the fold. It has had quite the ride in recent years. Can you just uh, briefly sort of tell us the story of Ballast Point? No. Yeah. I bet. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> It's a longer story. <laughs> it's, it's pretty long. Sorry. Uh, 
Well, uh, Ballast Point is 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 a is is a long story that's really kind of short. I mean, it's it's a brewery that started out of a home brew shop, um, real early on. Definitely part of the first wave of breweries and nautically themed beers that started out as kind of like your brew pub selection, where you're like, okay, you know, follow the colors from lightest to darkest. Um, some of their beers really took off. Things like Yellowtail which just became pale ale at one point and um, beers like Sculpin, of course, which the entire world got to know. And I think that once Sculpin kind of went, it showed original ownership that, you know, this could really, really, really go somewhere and get built up if I hired the right people to get this thing big. And that person, you know, obviously wanted to sell it and that's fine. You know, it's like a really, it's, that is um, American entrepreneurship. And um, they were able to build that thing up fast and get it to a certain valuation. And then Constellation Brands came in and bought it famously for roughly $1 billion. And from there, it just tanked. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I, I don't know how else to say it. I mean, I guess we, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. It's just like, you know, uh, I think they were looking for the next grapefruit sculpin and didn't realize that the first grapefruit sculpin was hard to come by and yeah. not something you can just duplicate with new products all the time. Um, didn't really know the market as well as they'd hoped, I guess, and found it very difficult to motivate people within the organization. So uh, eventually they wanted to get out of the game. So they sold it to somebody else, another uh, uh, group for a lot less. And they came in here and wanted to make Ballast Point Ballast Point again, which I don't know, I, I really appreciated. Of course, then the pandemic came along, mm -hmm. uh, geez, like two, three months later and kind of dashed those hopes. And it just became, I want Ballast Point to stay open yeah. and I would love for <laughs> to, to protect my investment. Um, so yeah, Kings and Convicts is that is that ownership, go is, is the ownership group. I mean, it's, it's obviously a, a lot of investors with, mm -hmm. with a lot of money and doing something, but um, yeah, they're, they're, they've brought back some of the classics and did some things, but I think right now in this current market, it's really just not conducive to making anything they want to happen happen. But they're so they're doing their best, like everybody else, to kind of like tread water and get to the point where it's backward, back at the point where they can do the things they really mm -hmm. were passionate about when they started. And it'll still be interesting to see what they can do when they when they can. But they're kind of like scaling back a little bit and just trying to make something that's um a little more compact and uh economically efficient so right now i don't think we we got to the end of that story but i'm interested to see where it's going to go because <laughs> mm -hmm. they've still done things like celebrate home brew mart which i thought was great when that when that anniversary came along they had some a significant 30th anniversary and they made a big deal out of it as well they should mm -hmm. so um i i like that we have people who are stewards of that history and um and the people who worked so hard to get it to the point where it was, where it could be a company that could scale up. Another brewery that not quite in the same vein, but had some similarities to it that we haven't talked about is green flash. And that's one of those ones whose West coast IPA basically just, you know, rooted its way around the country and became a, a defining, defining, you know, beer of the style, but also has had, you know, quite a few ups and then mainly downs. Uh, Jenny, tell us a little bit about green flash. Well, again, Green Flash it is one of the key players in the beginning as well. So if you list like Coronado, Green Flash, Alesmith, they're all in the same kind of uh, time era. Um, Green Flash did amazing things. They collaborated. They created crazy happy beers. Uh, there's amazing brewers involved. And honestly, between them purchasing Alpine Beer Company and bringing them on board and everything just kind of, it wasn't, you know, the same anymore. Um, a lot of the ownership kind of tanked itself. And from there, uh, now it's owned by Sweetwater. So just recently, that's a, a recent purchase. Uh, and that's that in a nutshell. We could go deeper, but. <laughs> yeah. And I think why don't we stick on the, and sort of the, maybe, I don't know if it's the happier points, but let's, let's talk, you know, as you mentioned there, um, about Alpine. Tell me about, uh -huh. tell me about that, you know, much beloved brand. Um, Alpine, honestly, and, and that's actually one of, one of, it was one of my all time favorite breweries. I, 
I was going there for the last, gosh, what, 17 years easy. They are an amazing, talented family. And uh, after they were purchased, the family was involved for a little bit. Uh, the things I love, though, is that it was located in this little tiny sleepy town of Alpine. People yeah. had to drive up there. That was your Sunday adventure, essentially. Mm -hmm. You'd go out there. You'd go for a little hike. You would stop by Alpine. Um, you'd hang. I mean, you would see people there. That's the awesome part. The craft beer scene, the community, uh, people that uh, worked at other breweries, people showed up because this place is so just magical. Um, just recently, they celebrated their second year. Now I say second year is in. They rebranded. They are McElhaney Brewing Company now. And they, fortunately enough, were able to get their previous location. So where they were brewing beer originally, uh, they were able to get that same location back. So it's like going home. So yeah. you show up again on a Sunday and you're like, wow, like here I am again. And it's their, again, amazing award-winning beer. Uh, it's it's all right there. But of course, those beautiful beers that we all know and love as the Alpine beers, uh, they've brought them back bigger and better than ever. And uh, with the family, McElhaney family brewing and doing their job, like they are knocking it out of the park. Some of the best IPAs, some of the most uh, familiar flavors that you've had. And like I said, they've just stepped it up a notch. It's one, yeah, of, you those, know, I have to yeah, say, it's one of those great stories. And I, Brandon, please, please talk to me more about it. Oh, I have to say, I, I've never seen a business be recreated just as it was so well. It's really <laughs> cool because it, it's all the things that we missed as Alpine fans. You know, the family, we missed them. We missed the feel. Mm -hmm. And they have just come back and it's just like they closed the doors for a couple of years, opened it back up, and it's like, here we are. Uh, it's pretty great. But I got the one thing I have to say about San Diego in general is like, over the years, last several, the, people have talked about sales and things like that, but that is so not the story of San Diego beer at all, mm -hmm. uh, especially now. I mean, even looking back at something like the, the most recent has to be Stone, right? Um, nobody talks about it here. Yeah. You know, it's not anything that's a big deal to anybody anymore because everything's fallen where it's at but as i, I you know I, I don't even think people care so much about sales anymore which is interesting uh, because it was such a big deal and and you know we all have our mixed feelings but really as far as the community goes even with things like that people are just this community is so together that they always find the positive and it's just not something that hey i don't know it doesn't hang over the city like a cloud like you might think it yeah it, it does from the outside looking in like, wow, that's a lot of sales, but it really, it's such a small percentage of our breweries it just happens to be those giant ones that need to find some <laughs> yeah. way to stay open, you know? And, and they were the ones that were around for a long time. So it's not even like these were just open for a couple of years, two, three, four, five years. These were breweries that were, you know, pumping out great product for a long mm -hmm. time yeah. and influential. Well, this has been the world's shortest dive into the world's largest subject in terms of San Diego beer history. But uh, we'll be right back with more beer travelers after a message from our sponsors. Want more beer for your ears? The new All About Beer podcast, hosted by M. Sauter and Don Tess, takes a deep, engaging dive into the hottest topics in beer. Do you need to know what the heck a cold IPA is? Check out the first episode wherever you get your pods. New episodes drop every other Thursday. And now, back to beer travelers. Welcome back to Beer Travelers. Now it's time for our rapid fire lightning round. These are quick questions, off the cuff answers, first things that come to your mind. And as we always say, we will inevitably devolve into unrelated topics and get off of this format within a question or two. This is just usually how it is. Uh, usually I will end up starting with a conversation about IPA and hop heads and haze. I'm not even sure that's something that can be done in this show. It, it feels like maybe that should be the entire rest of the show, but I feel like I'm, I'm just going to try to go in maybe just a, a different direction here. Um, you know, let's, let's talk about something maybe San Diego is not necessarily all that known for, uh, but probably is fantastic at. Brandon, tell me what are your top three breweries in San Diego for lager? Oh, for lager? We've got tons of that. It's great. Uh, Epic Brewing for sure. Bagby beer and um, maybe a little off the radar for a lot of people, but you should definitely check it out is Puesto Cerveceria. Uh, our foremost lager expert, Doug Hasker, who was at, who brewed for um, Gordon Beersh for the longest time. And is the guy everybody went to for advice. That's where he's brewing right now. And he's just changed over from German over to Mexican style. And man, just a pro and a lovely human being to boot. 
And is there any particular style that you're seeing that in San Diego in terms of lager, is there a focus on Pilsner or West Coast style Pilsner or anything particular? Or is it just really broad across the board? You know, all I mean, we were talking about breweries that are doing specifically Mexican styles. You don't find a lot of places doing that. Uh, Tons of Mexican style lagers for sure. Uh, Hoppy lagers, Pilsners are great, but uh, everything in between there, you'll see a little less of. But these are like the the big hallmark styles. They they pair with sun, not, yeah. not surprisingly. You'll, yeah. I mean, you get your hellises as well and things like that. But you're not going to come here and find a lot of what you'd find in the Midwest, maybe like your Schwarzbeers and your uh, amber lagers so much, uh, much to my chagrin. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, if it's pale gold straw, we got you. <laughs> and Jenny, where are you taking folks for uh, you know for lagers? Where are your top three? Well, I got to tell you already, Brandon just named exactly what I would say. Um, I love the fact that he brought up Doug Hasker. He is absolutely amazing. Uh, And the fact that he is, we call him the lager king. Anytime somebody needs help in this industry, you go to Doug Hasker, he comes, tastes your beer, or he has you come over and say, I need you to try this. What do you think about this? And um, he's, he's so involved in the community and he's such such a, uh, like, he, he, he takes care of other people. Um, I'm And again, Bagby, uh, they make oh, fantastic beer. Epic. I mean, you can't beat that waterfront location. And one of their, the Ooh. Japanese lager right there on the water, sunny day. It's the most beautiful thing. So I'm going to go with the same thing Brandon said. <laughs> <laughs> Is, we might have a lot of the same answers. <laughs> this is this is what happens from time to time uh, on the show. Yeah. But you, with, I'm sorry, Brandon. How many how many breweries did you say San Diego has? Uh, roughly 150. Okay, we should hopefully get some diverse answers in some of these questions. But we you know, we'll see. Otherwise, it'll make make for a short episode and easy travel. Well, God, not with experts like us. Come on, <laughs> uh, Brandon. Let's have you go. Actually, we started with Brandon last time. We'll go back to Jenny here. Um, what are your top three breweries for for sour beer or mixed fermentation beer? This is a pretty broad categorization of, mm-hmm. of styles, but you know, just in in, in that sort of uh, you know style category. Uh, well, of course, Tommy Arthur and Lost Abbey. That's number one. Uh, amazing. One of my all time favorites that just changed my my world when it came to uh, beer. Uh, was uh, Flanders, and so when he came out with the Red Poppy, it was honestly. It's a classic, beautiful style. He does it very, very well. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Um, another one is um, Pure Project. Pure Brewing does a beautiful lineup, very thoughtful. Um, their leaf, uh, traditional method, uh, method. it's absolutely fantastic. It is, it's bright, it's lovely. It's everything it needs to be. Um, I can't think of a third one right now. Um, I mean, we just had like, what was it? Wild Barrel just won a couple awards too. So that's exciting. Um, but yeah, no, I'm going to go with definitely pure and, uh, lost Abbey. This opens up an opportunity for you to come in and steal Brandon. You can get the, the oh, third boy. option here. What do, you, <laughs> what do you got? What do you got? Well, as somebody who can't listen to great American beer festival or world beer cup and hear no gold was awarded in this category. <laughs> I definitely have three. Um, <laughs> I love the lost Abbey for all of the all of the great beers they do just uh, it is fantastic but their sours fantastic a uh, pure project was my other one but then one that a lot of people forget about but i mean they have a cool ship and they make just a great flanders a great mixed firm saisons as burning beard brewing out in el cajon um i've had the chance to taste a lot of their a lot of their sours and they are something else i've been very very impressed so uh yeah Another another good one there. You both had brought up the Lost Abbey, and as I said, we've we've sort of name checked Tommy Arthur, but haven't really gone into detail about the Lost Abbey. You know, this is a you know a brewery, and you know, Tommy, you know, and Pete's, you know, with his prior involvement with Pete Support and Port Brewing, and just you know helping you know, develop the scene there. You know, Lost Abbey is is sort of going through some changes right now. Um, and Brandon, can you sort of talk us through what's been going on? Um, you know, with with the with the company, I was just out in Nashville a couple weeks ago and saw saw Tommy, and then talked to him again for an article recently. And sort of, you know, I know they're in the midst of a move and probably maybe have just completed that. So tell us, you know, sort of where the status of of the Lost Abbey is. Sure thing. So uh, 2006 was when the Marsalias, who I just told you about, and uh, Tommy Arthur decided to go ahead and make a new brand called Lost Abbey. 
it actually had a sister brand called Port Brewing as well. So what it was going to be was since they were doing all brew pubs and didn't yet have a uh, packaging brewery, they were going to make packaged pizza port beers as well as the Belgian style beers that uh, Tommy Arthur was becoming so popular for. I mean, worldwide due to media coverage and a lot of other great uh, recognition awards and such. So they went ahead and did that. And back then when you built a brewery, you built it to grow and grow and grow and grow because craft beer at 2006, I mean, we're talking about like the companies like Green Flash we were just talking about. I mean, they got in there like, let's just, we, we've got a foothold in the, in, the, uh, in the industry and things are going well. Let's keep on growing and growing and growing. So they built it to grow and, you know, they never reached the capacity that they, that they uh, built for. So they had all this excess space, all this excess um, uh, machinery. And they decided, you know, things aren't going so well with uh, Belgian style beer these days. Again, much to my chagrin. Yeah. But they had plenty of hoppy beers under the, uh, the port brand. And they have a sister brand called the Hot Concept by then, which, again, a lot of hoppy beers, really well received, do really well on uh, as far as uh, canned product and being on tap. So they had things that worked, things that didn't, too much space, too much expense. And so they made a pitch to try to you know, get the landlord to give them half the space, essentially, and not re-up because their lease was coming up. And then they wanted to size down and get a new brewery, sell the brewery they had, brew house, that is, and the cellar that goes with it get down from a 30 barrel to something like a 10, 15, maybe. Um, that didn't quite work out the way they wanted to. So what ended up happening essentially was kind of an ownership split in which um, Pizza Port kept Port Brewing at Hop Concept, the hoppy beer concept. They also kept the brewery they were in, which the landlord did allow them to uh, you know, size down. And so it came along just when Pizza Port, now with a very big uh, manufacturing facility that was uh, established, geez, I think like a decade ago, um, they were needing more space here pretty soon. So it worked out well in that they could go ahead and take that over. And they had already taken over canning of one of Port Brewing's largest beers at, the, at that spot. So uh, that was nice for them. And then meanwhile, Tommy retained Lost Abbey along with a couple of little tiny sister brands for like some Brett beers and some um, hard sparkling teas. Uh, as well as all of their tasting rooms. And they had three ranging from downtown up to North County. All he had to do was find essentially new investors and then a place to brew. And so he thought, well, maybe we'll just do contract brewing to start out with. But it turned out that Mother Earth Brewing uh, Brew Co. over here in Vista, which is also in our North County area, they uh, had some space. They weren't using their facility, I, I believe, to the max either. So they said, yeah, come on over here and you can uh, take up space, have administrative offices, and you can even open a tasting room because for the longest time they hadn't run a tasting room there. Mm -hmm. So it's not like they had to share space or anything. They just said, hey, just work on the licensing and you can go ahead and open up your own tasting room here and we can do that. So they are over there now as of, I believe, a couple weeks ago and working on that tasting room and licensing. So yeah, it's it's kind of worked out. It wasn't exactly what Tommy expected, but mm -hmm. I think at the same time, it sounds like something that's going to work out pretty well. And I think over at Pete's Port, they're going to open the tasting room over at the at the spot too, which is in a town called San Marcos or a city called San Marcos. And fun fact for those who care, uh, or Stone's original brewery. Yep. So. Yeah, I can remember there being there and, and I think it was, what, like the sixth anniversary party a million years ago. So it was just a, it was one of my trips there, but. Uh, I was there yeah okay yeah we were in the... i'm not shocked at that <laughs> we cohabitated the same yeah. space that's so cool <laughs> so jenny we're going to go a little off script here and uh i'm just gonna ask you this question you know what are your and this is probably a reasonably easy one uh maybe not i don't know uh what do you what would you say is a you know the places with the best taproom vibe i'm not even going to define that that may just be music and maybe the style maybe art maybe location just where, where are those places that like it, the beer is it may be fantastic or maybe just fine but it just the space is just where it's at all right i, I do have a couple of them um and i'm gonna go right back to epic waterfront it is absolutely fantastic it truly surreal it's um it's especially if you're visiting if you're visiting and you're not used to being able to sit outside by the ocean and yeah. drink uh, a beer and and honestly like right 
to that same extent, you can go from the beach right into Alpine and go to McElhaney the same day. Yeah. You know, that's how close everything is. And experience that wonderful, homey, familiar feeling that we all have come to know and love. Um, gosh, there's so many. Um, honestly, also Fall Brewing Company. It It's kind of a, a spot that other people end up meeting up with each other. So um, it's, it's centrally located in North Park and suddenly you see a bunch of people just kind of popping in and showing up, people riding their bike down the street, people, you know, just pulling up and, and you see familiar faces and it's, it's kind of just one of those extra stops. Um, so it's, it has a super fun vibe. Uh, one of the owners, he's a graphic designer. So it's just like lots of old school posters, music mm. posters, and there's always music playing. Everyone's super cool. They have an outdoor patio that's dog friendly, like most places in San Diego, um, but yeah, great little uh, tasting room vibe there for sure. And then um, I'm also going to say Bagby Beer Company uh, up on Oceanside. Like they have uh, just this killer vibe, a great little restaurant, a uh, great outdoor space for sure. And you could just sit there and just drink beer all day long and enjoy the ocean breeze. Brandon, how about for you? And no repeats. Boy. We got 150 beers. <laughs> we got to get some, we got some different vibe it, in here. Well, you can't drink a vibe. So I don't, I don't know. I'm just kidding. Um, I really like Virgin Beer Company for that. I think that they have done a really great job uh, getting staffers who really care about the time that you're having and being really hospitable. It's got a great um, nature-driven uh, motif that's awesome. They're in Carlsbad, but they also have a spot in Little Italy. But the one that I really like is this little tiny spot in Escondido, which is in North County Inland. Um, it's connected to a feed store for pets and, um, it used to be San Diego's smallest brewery, Nano brewery, but it's all out, all the seating's outdoors. You're under a tree. There's this wood fence that keeps you in. And, um, <laughs> it's just it, all the Escondidians come out and they just enjoy their time. And it is so just warm, hospitable, fun outdoors. I really like that. I mean, gosh, I could say so many places. Hopnonymous, again. Um, they're in Kearney Mesa and they're super hospitable too. They've made a name for, uh, behind their customer service. Their beers are great too. And, um, they're brewing on a really small system. So things are always changing, but you will meet the owner. If you go there, his name is Remy. He's a tall, skinny French man. Mm. And, uh, yeah. So as soon as he comes over and says, uh, whatever they say over there, was it au revoir? Uh, or anyway, he'll say merci for coming <laughs> and, um, you'll fall in love with the guy. He's super nice. And everybody else there is, uh, is, is as well. So they, again, have made a name behind their uh, service. And then there's, there's so many great spots like that, but I'm going to say five suits in Vista is really cool. It's got mm. a Las Vegas theme and um, it's, uh, they come by it honestly, because uh, one of the owners used to be a Vegas showgirl. Her husband works at a casino full time. That's his day gig. Um, but the place looks cool. They've done a really good job in not only just bringing in like uh, vintage Vegas pieces, but then also, you know, getting five suits and their logo and little components in there and beery things incorporated as well. But it's really, it's really different. Like you're not going to find something like that anywhere else. Now I know I've, I've left out like 20 places sure. that could have, I mean, you go to, you go to Julian, go to nickel beer and drink it in a jail cell. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> but, Vegas, but, you've got um, jail, you've got drinking by the water, you got you've got it all in San Diego. You got it, man. Don't don't do them in an opposite order. Yeah, no. Yeah. So we have talked about a variety of different topics here, but the one that, you know, as I said, we usually start with, we, you know, I figure we'll swamp at least this part of the show with with this. And I'm, and I'm gonna try to break it down just because IPA is such a thing in San Diego. That is a really expressive comment on myself. I'm really going out there with that statement. Um, so why don't we start with Jenny and let's just say under whatever you define as the banner of West Coast style. And I imagine mm -hmm. there may be some debate about whatever that is, but we will break up West Coast and, and hazy or juicy or New England style IPA or whatever we want to call that. You know, what are your three local breweries that you would take folks to for, for best examples of West Coast style IPA? Mm, definitely North Park Beer Company. Um, their Hop Foo is an award-winning beer many times over between homebrew and, I mean, just recently too. He's been killing it. Kelsey McNair is doing a fantastic job at leading that way, um, that at least leading uh, the West Coast IPA direction. And of course, anything and everything, Pizza Port. 
Heat Support is just top notch when it comes to their West Coast. And again, like Brandon mentioned, I mean, they've produced so many amazing brewers that have gone on and open yeah. up their own things and they carry on this, uh, you know, like their West Coast version and then they take it a step further. Um, just beautifully well-made West Coast beers. Um, I could tell you stories of just sitting in a pizza port with a pitcher of, you know, just swamis. I mean, that's like classic. Mm-hmm. Um, I could do that all day long. Yeah. <laughs> um, but those are the two main ones. Of course, um, Virgin is doing an excellent job with their West Coast too. They're doing a, you know, fantastic. Um, those are, yeah, that's about what I would say is like North Park, uh, Hot Foo, and anything and everything pizza part. So we will transition here to Brandon. Let's try to avoid repeats if we can. And you can just say, okay, yeah, I, Jenny's choices are great, but then I like... will avoid repeats. However, my lists went North Park Beer Company, Pizza Port, and Virgin. <laughs> but I had honor, I had some others as honorable mentions because I first off, first off I knew she'd say North Park because I mean they won four awards at the Great American yep. Beer Fest all for IPAs yeah and then won at World <laughs> Beer Cup too so Un- unbelievable yeah so I would say uh, going back to McElhaney absolutely everything they touch in the IPA realm is gold I mean they defined the use of New Zealand hops back in the day at Alpine for our region and more people than that I think. The IPAs at Craft Coast uh, Beer and Tacos in Oceanside are freaking phenomenal. I wish I lived anywhere close to that place because I might never leave. It's mm-hmm. just fantastic. And it's so quintessentially San Diego to have. It's uh, specifically um, our style, like San Diego style Mexican food inspired by our neighbors directly to the south in Baja. Mm-hmm. Like the they nailed what we like. And so it's basically like going to pizza port, but instead of pizza and stuff like that, you've got tacos and mulitas and nachos and things like that. I mean, it is fantastic. Plus all these great IPAs and loggers. But yeah, craft coast is great. Um, so technically I've listed five at this point. I yep. mean, there's, there's just so many, I, 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 at this point, you know, I, I guess I could go out there and list a former employer and say society does pretty high. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I say it that way because anybody would be like, yeah, they do. Okay. Um, beers like the pupil are quintessential and um, they've kind of gotten to a pizza port model of late and where they're not making, where they're making more um, new ones uh, that have kind of come out on a rotating basis. So it's kind of fun to see the new stuff that they put out there too. But yeah, society, I think kind of got forgotten in the West coast IPA game, but uh, they're good, and their hazies are pretty decent, too. I mean, I'm not a big hazy guy, but I'll admit, those are uh, pretty good. <laughs> well, we can transition right into that, and and tell me, you know, we, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, here in Boston, we just don't see West Coast IPA. It's just not, or if we do, it turns out hazy, and it and it's oh. soft and juicy. It's the saddest thing you can imagine <laughs> in the beer world, um, and it, it is just, it's just a, a, a major, major issue here, but like, so, but there, I, I, as someone who hasn't been back since hazies have, have come to this, these, this nation's shores, um, I just would picture no hazies on tap anywhere in San Diego. It's, <laughs> it's just something that just could not penetrate the, the shield that is West Coast style and San Diego style pale ale and IPA. Tell me whether or not that's true. And if it's not true, then where are you, where are you taking folks? Where are the three places you're going for, for hazy or juicy styles, Brandon? Oh, they're everywhere. You won't yeah, go to everywhere. any brewery and not see a so hazy, but you might you might not recognize them. Okay. You know, we have we have different <laughs> mm-hmm. degrees of hazy. Um, and a lot of them don't really represent what you find if you go all the way to the East Coast or New mm-hmm. England, where you get those, you know, those very opaque look like a candle yep. type. Um, you're not gonna find a lot of those, but you will find some people. There's some breweries that have really devoted their time to try to get it just like that. But I think that it doesn't quite match our weather. It's probably the reason that we see a lot that are almost go from unfiltered on up to uh, that, but you'll see more along the lines of like unfiltered, uh, more orange than pale yellow, less chalky, you know, in the bitterness mm-hmm. part uh, and, and a little bit more bitter backbone here and there yeah. too, because we like to kind of mix them up. We're seeing a lot of hybrid IPAs coming out. Um, I think the Pure Project folks do a great job with their murky IPAs. I mean, Merc, Embrace the Merc is their yeah. uh, 
is their uh, <laughs> slogan. And, and yeah, they, they do a good job um, as far as multiple textures of beer. And so, so does Virgin Beer Company, who I mentioned before. They come up come out with as many hazies as they do West Coast, if I'm not mistaken. And they're, they're really pleasing. They're not overdone. Again, not being the big haze guy, I'm probably going to struggle here for that third one. But I want to award a gold in this category, or a bronze, I guess, in this case. But uh, shoot, come on, they're everywhere. They're we literally may, We everywhere. may be able to give you a pass after you gave us five for the last one. Okay, pass. It, it, it seems like you've already just done extra credit. So we'll give you, we'll give you, we'll, we'll Oh, you know what? Craft coasts are good too. There we go. <laughs> and Jenny, what about you? Where are you going? You know, where are you directing folks for hazy beer? Well, definitely what Brandon said. Uh, awesome. Um, I would also say uh, North Park Beer Company. Yeah, see, there it is. Uh, I'm so <laughs> uh, hot food out that I couldn't even think of it. I could, yeah, yeah. Uh, they have one that was from the very beginning as the hop like phase kind of came through. Uh, Kelsey decided to go ahead and try it out, and he came up with Artist Hard. Artist Hard is a fantastic. Uh, it's a little bit more soft uh, flavor profile, um, and from here on out, a lot of his hazies are kind of turning a different note they're a little, little bit more bitter which i appreciate i i love uh, a good unfiltered ipa or um if it's going to be a hazy i want it to still have that lighter mouthfeel but just attack my taste buds with um like a hot pellet like i absolutely love that it is so much fun uh so they're doing a really good job on um creating that and then of course macalini's months which is the nelson ipa it's an unfiltered ipa and so some people will see it and get, if they're not a hazy person, they'll look at it and get a little intimidated mm -hmm. um, because it looks hazy, but it's not. It's a beautifully yeah. unfiltered IPA that has this wonderful, just that Nelson hot profile to it. And it's lighter on the palate. It just, it's so refreshing. It's so big and bold and, you know, very unassuming. So you're really expecting that softness to it. And it just gets you. Jenny, what's transition out of styles and get into some questions about where you know folks should go when you know if you had sort of one neighborhood in which to pub crawl um where you know in the city or or to go between tap rooms or bars you know where do you where would you direct folks um and i'm, I'm gonna call it where I, I used to live in north park so north park is probably one of my favorites um so everywhere from north park uh, beer company to bottle craft Bottlecraft is a great spot to pick up bottles, to sip on beer. Um, just walking along there, again, you have Seek Beer Company right there as well. Uh, there, I see a lot of great stuff coming from them, and I feel like we should be paying attention to them a little bit too. Um, so Fall Pure Project is also in North Park as well. They have a new tasting room. Uh, you can walk down there and again, beautiful outdoor space. And it makes you feel like uh, you're almost not even in North Park on the, the main drag. So that's pretty fantastic. And of course, between food, there's so many different places. Um, you can, you know, grab a, a burger over at the Friendly after you grab a pint at Fall. And then you go ahead to Livewire afterwards, which is an amazing dive bar that also serves craft beer and usually has awesome things not only locally but you can get things like Pliny the elder on yeah brandon where you know where are you directing folks or taking folks on a on a single neighborhood pub crawl my answer is north park i mean they have 16 <laughs> spots but I that's okay know because... why i bother with two guests on these shows anymore no but it, it... i've got to i can't prepare with other spots okay uh, one one place i like to go that used to be terribly boring and had nothing going on is the East Village downtown, which is good because, you know, if you're going for a convention or something like that, or you're going to go see a game at Peco Park Padres. Uh, now is not a good time for that, but uh, hopefully they'll get better. Um, <laughs> East Village is pretty fantastic. There's a lot of spots and they're all very close to one another. Um, East Village Brewing, which is a product of two high level folks from Ballast Point who left to open a really, really small brewery, but it's really nice beer. Um, Half Door Brewing, um, family behind this really uh, storied Irish pub that's downtown, went ahead and opened a uh, brew pub, but uh, it's a brother and sister. The brother, he brewed for Coronado Brewing, and he's just this really scientific-minded guy with the Siebel and all that, and he's pumping out some good beers, has some good food, and it looks like a really just lovely two-story white Irish house. <laughs> it's it's really cool. It's got that pub. Uh, that's a good one, a good vibe one there. Um have uh lost abbey has a tasting room in a church a historic yeah. 1906 church 
very very cool and it it just fits their fits their mood so well um there's even spots like ale tales which is a nice little uh bottle shop and tap room down there uh geez there, there's a lot of good spots a lot of good ones and if you want to go as far as downtown you can go to resident brewing which is in a place called the local um they have some good hazies too i probably should have said resident as a matter of fact so uh sorry craft coast but i'll get that one to resident there's your third one <laughs> there you go and uh yeah, that's, it's a great place, and and if you uh, are all the way up in North County, go to Oceanside. Oceanside has just got so much going on downtown Oceanside in particular. But I mean, you, there, there's it's getting to the point where there are a ton of communities like this where there's ten or more breweries, and it's really really fun. Brandon, we'll stick with you for this one. Um, what would you say is one great you know, one brewery that is maybe not getting enough attention, or is flying under the radar, or maybe even deserves a second look? I've been saying the same one for over a decade and it's new English brewing, which, um, uh, you can't see English, but, but Jenny's losing her mind. She's very excited at this answer. It's so good. <laughs> oh, good. All right. Well, uh, it's this proper Englishman who came over, uh, for work, you know, from, from the UK and he wanted to open a brewery with beers like his and, you know, cask engines. And he did so and had great English style beers, but, learned that he had to do a little something more than that in order to you know make it in san diego where everybody wants hoppy beers so he just decided he would make really great west coast ipas as well and then when the haze craze came he decided he would make really good hazy ipas too and then he had very great belgian uh not belgian but uh, barrel aged beers like oh man you know i'll just barrel age some beers as well everything he touches seems to come out really great and uh nobody really talks about it i think it's location um He's in a place called Sorrento Valley, which is sur surrounded on one side by all workplaces, you know, corporations and things like that. But there are some um, so, some homes off to one side. It's just like nobody wants to go spend a weekend and come down from home to go to work yeah. area. But if you do, you're so rewarded because they have this great green space right outside their spot. The, their entire uh, their business park decided to make them the focal point of it. And so they made this great green expanse and there's so many nice places to just sit out in the sun, have awesome beer. They've got plenty of space inside in the events area. It's, it's really great. And I think nobody knows what they're missing, but hopefully through mm -hmm. this, they do. And as far as somebody to take a second look at, I always say uh, Stone Brewing World Bistro and Gardens Liberty Station. People have kind of wrote off Stone because they've had the beers at grocery and they don't realize that there's a small batch program. And, uh, the beers their brewer over at Liberty Station, Chris Ketchum, is making have been amazing for over 10 years. They've led to um, some of the core beers, but they are the award-winning beers that uh, score medals at GABF and World Beer Cup. So um, definitely go down there because there's always a multitude of fresh, interesting things on. And you just might not expect it, but it's like, oh, wow, Stone's got like way more dimension than I thought coming from a place where I'm not you know, in their hometown. Mm -hmm. It's the best place to check it out, and it's close to the airport. Mm -hmm. Jenny, how about yourself? What do you uh, what do you have to have to say on this one? You know, you know, Brandon's killing me right now. Brandon's yeah. totally killing me. Well, you guys um, have been so, all over each other this whole episode, so it's your yeah. Turn. So and so this one, um, I, I I will like to elaborate a little bit on uh, New English. Um, their pure and simple IPA is probably one of my favorite IPAs clean everything about it absolutely wonderful and then es explore esb yeah. top-notch esb it is so fantastic um and when they made the switch to cans uh that was a game changer right there of course i i, I really truly i mean their mexican lager was amazing um uh but everything in cans it's a different label and i think that people don't understand that you know the 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 can label doesn't match what we've seen in the past so um, it is a great spot if you're like hanging out, like you go paddleboarding at La Jolla Cove and, you know, shoot on over. It's like a little 15, 20 minute drive over to New English and you sit outside, like Brandon said, um, again, great event space and great people. And they're there usually and very kind and super just, they know what they're doing for sure. And I, I really hope that more people get a chance to go to go see them. I'm right there with Brandon for sure. Um other than that, I'm I, I that was like the big one for me. I always say that, like again, uh, pure and simple IPA. Just it gets me every time. So um, I don't know. 
That's good. I, I, I really I don't. Love, I love, agreement in this situation sounds like a, a fantastic match. And now I'm, yeah. you know, of all the places we've discussed, this one really piques my interest. So I'm, I'm, you know, when I be out next time I'm out in town, this is a place I think I'm going to try to stop by. I'm glad to hear that. So as we kind of wrap up here, you know, we'll start with Jenny. You know, if you had you know, just sort of one evening in the city to take friends who are coming in from out of town, you know, where do you, you know, where would you design your your perfect night out? Where would you go and what would you do? Mm, let's see here. <sighs> Usually when friends come out um, and I sound like a broken record, man, um, I love being able to share with them uh, the landscape of just San Diego in general. So one of my favorite things is getting a chance to drive them through the coast and whether it's stopping at pizza port for a pitcher and uh, a pizza, Mm -hmm. or it's, um, uh, you know, going to the waterfront at all over like the Epic location. Absolutely fantastic. Cause it gives everybody a chance to really absorb what San Diego is and then heading on up because everything is so close and people forget that you can sit there and have a pint, eat something, go for a walk around the beach, and then you can just head right out and you can be up in the mountains. You can go to Alpine and McElhinney. You can go up to Julian. It is only an hour away. So you can go up to Julian, go to Julian beer company, have a pizza, another pizza you can tell i like pizza (laughs) um and uh they have little spots up there just like uh it's probably one of my my favorite things about san diego is that you can do all of that in one day it's a short amount of time it's uh enjoyable and you get to see everything from the ocean the desert the mountains and there is really nothing like it brandon what is your uh, perfect night out somebody else is driving yeah, uh, <laughs> for sure. For efficiency, you know, yes, so we can pack the most into the evening. Yeah. Um, so my thing, it's one of the things I love the most just as a person, but also as somebody who has a, a beer website where it has you know guides and things like that. I love when people just hit me up and say, hey, I'm coming to San Diego. Where should I go? And I always love to find out what they like. It always is based on whoever's coming to town. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, what kind of beers do you like? Where are you staying? And, and this and that and like customizing the experience. So I don't come up with a lot of things based on me, but I think mm-hmm. that uh, I, I like showing people North County just because a lot of people don't get up there unless you tell them. And it's a nice way to spend a, a special day and, and usually coastal. So I was telling you about Oceanside before the fact they have just a plethora of breweries up there, but I like to go up there. And of course I'm telling you about craft coast and that being a quintessential experience, having the Mexican food. That's a great place to start out with lunch. And then hit any place that's around there. They got places like Kilowatt and um, Breakwater and Bagby and another Bottlecraft. She was talking about Bottlecraft in North Park. They have a fantastic one in Oceanside as well. Shout out to Stephanie Peterson. And, um, you know, go down to, we have a Michelin star barbecue place. The, or, well, not Michelin star, but uh, Bib Gourmand recognized. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heritage, Heritage uh, Brewery and Beer. It's got a former pizza port brewer making fantastic <laughs> beer down there. And the Artifacts is about to open right next to that. Uh, you can go into Carlsbad and hit up Virgin Beer Company, which is great. I just like going there. And then you could hit a pizza port as well over in Resi Ranch or Carlsbad Village. Um, but I like to just take that coastal route because a lot of people come here for the beach. A lot of people come here for the weather. So you get that. You get some of the food. You get some of the quintessential experiences with the beer. And uh, I, I think that that just shows how easy it is. Yeah. I, mean, I, just show, I just showed you like a, a route that would give you access to, I guess, like 16 to 20. And you yeah, just pick yeah. which ones you want to go to yeah. based on the stuff that you like. But I like to take people up to coastal North County, even though I, I never get there. So maybe that's my excuse. <laughs> Jenny and Brandon, you have both sold the city beautifully. It makes me want to come back and visit very soon. I'm sure it makes Jenny a little homesick. Um, but hopefully she gets back plenty. Uh, Brandon, start by telling us where people can find you online and your work. Uh, great. Uh, Instagram and Twitter would be at SD Beer News. Uh, Facebook, just type in San Diego Beer News. But of course, San Diego Beer News is the site. So come on over there. You can sign up for our newsletter. Honestly, uh, even if you're not in San Diego, there's a lot of news that uh, yeah. affects the industry. And like we broke things like modern times and uh, yeah. some other it, it's some other fun stuff. Fantastic site. As I said, I'm, I'm on there with some frequency, even though I haven't been within thousands of miles in some time. It's a fantastic site and, and highly recommend signing up for the newsletter. Well, thank you, sir. Jenny, where do folks find you and you on, online and with your work? 
Um, online, I am Miss um, Beercraft, and that's M S Beercraft, and also Jenny Man Photos. And you can also find me. I do guest writing about social media marketing with Brandon over at SD Beer News. So you can find some of my articles there. And of course, I do help uh, small to medium sized breweries and brew pubs with their social media. So if they have any questions at all, I'm always happy to help out, especially in the beginning, and talk and chat and see if there's something that we can, you know, help with. Um, and I also work for another company up here called Zeppelin. It's a marketing firm and they do a bunch of stuff, social media, digital ads, web, graphic design work all over the country for breweries as well. Well, Jenny and Brandon, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Beer Travelers. And I hope to get a pint with both of you sometime soon. That'd awesome. be fantastic. Thank you for an excuse to see Jenny because we all miss her down here. <laughs> oh, a lot. cheers, guys. Cheers. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for listening to the Beer Travelers podcast. If you have a suggestion for a town we should visit next, please drop us a line at podcast at allaboutbeer.com. Please give our podcast a review wherever you listen. It really helps folks find out about us. And if you like the episode, tell a friend and post on your socials. Interested in learning more about connecting with an engaged, energetic, and interested audience of curious beer consumers and brewers? We have many different advertising opportunities, including through our podcasts, website, newsletter, and social media channels. For more information, please contact us at podcast at allaboutbeer.com. All About Beer is back, and we're asking for your support to help provide the independent beer media this rich and colorful industry deserves. Visit our website, allaboutbeer.com, where we're frequently posting new content. And please consider throwing us a few bucks at patreon.com slash allaboutbeer. We have low-cost memberships for individuals and small and large companies alike. Every dollar goes to help produce new articles and podcasts.